Good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to see you here today, and I hope that your new year is off to a good start, but uh, I want you to be praying for somebody that is struggling a little bit as the new year began. Sylvia Palacios fell yesterday and broke her ankle, and uh, so I was at the hospital with them last evening, and so pray for Joe, pray for Sylvia. Looks like she is going to have to have some kind of surgery on that to get it put back together, and so she starts the new year off hobbling around. So just pray for strength for her. And uh, she was also asking prayer. Her mother has uh, knees, I believe it's knee surgery on Tuesday of this week. So she was all set up for that. And you know how those things just completely turn your life upside down. So just pray for her for strength and for healing and for her mother as well. She goes through this surgery on Tuesday and uh, that God would bless them. Be praying for Brother Larry as he recovers. I talked to him a couple times this week. It's just been a slow process. He said, the surgery wasn't so bad. It's the recovery that's the bad part. And those of you who have been through that, you know what that's like. Be praying for strength for him. Keep praying for Katie Spencer. She hasn't been able to be here in a while because of her health, we know. But don't forget about somebody just because they're not able to be here. And uh, pray for others who are recovering from sickness and going through things. Some who still are away traveling and uh, things like that. But it's good to have many of you home who have been away and I uh, hope that you had a wonderful time with family and friends, and we're glad that you're back here today. I also want to welcome our guests today. Thank you for joining us, and hope the service is a blessing and help to you. I've enjoyed singing together with you already this morning and looking forward to getting into God's Word here in just a few minutes. Before we do that, we're going to dismiss our boys and girls out to their time of junior church. It's good to have Josh and Anna Tanner back. They were away the last couple of weeks visiting family and so glad that they can be back with us and uh, serving there in junior church. And I know the boys and girls will enjoy that this morning as they get ready uh, to learn from God's Word as well this morning. Well, a new year, always uh, a time to reflect on an old year and to reflect forward. Of course, in 2020, we uh, begin, if you've paid attention at all, as I'm sure you have, we begin a new decade as well. And uh, so many things in front of us and many things to consider that we've come through, and uh, just ups and downs and side to side, but I'm thankful we serve a God who's in charge, and I'm thankful that we serve a God who is good, I'm thankful that we serve a God who sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place so that we could have eternal life, and uh, He rose again, and He's sitting at the right hand of the Father this morning, making intercession for us as we pray to Him. I would encourage you, if you do nothing else this new year, make sure you spend time in prayer. It's a great privilege, it's a great opportunity, and it's a great resource sometimes we miss out on because we don't take advantage of the wonderful time we can in prayer. I would also encourage you to make sure that you are spending time in God's Word. Last Sunday, if you were here, we passed out a, a read-through-the-Bible plan, and we have some more still on the back on the sound booth, if you'd like one after the service, make sure you get one. If you don't read through our plan, that's okay. Make sure that you're reading in God's Word this year. If it would be helpful to you to have some discussion and some accountability and some conversation about reading God's Word, I've created a little Facebook group called Read Through the Bible in 2020. And if you want to join that group, feel free to join that. If you just want to read other people's comments, that's fine. I'm trying to comment in there each day. If you're not on Facebook, I can text you too. I want to encourage you this year in your Bible reading, encourage you in your time with the Lord, and I hope that you'll find somebody else that you can encourage as well. I am so excited 
about looking forward to what the Lord has for us this year. And in fact, next Sunday, we're calling it Vision Sunday and looking forward to being able to share what the Lord has for us, I believe, as we continue to go forward. One of the things we'll do next Sunday is take a little bit of time to look back at what God has done over the last couple of years at our church and specifically in 2019. And then we'll spend some time looking forward and praying together and trusting God together to see what God will do as we continue to walk by faith. This morning, I want you to take your Bibles with me and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And as we think about this idea of advancing, that was our theme during 2019. And I thought it would be fitting to finish that theme with this message this morning from 2 Timothy 2. Before we begin uh, next week, our new theme and a whole new preaching series and all of those things, looking forward to introducing that to you next Sunday. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, we have Paul writing a letter to his son in the faith. He's writing to Timothy, a young man that he met as he traveled in his missionary journeys, and a young man that he had the opportunity and privilege to train and to then send out into ministry. And Paul, as he wrote this letter to Timothy, if you study your Bible, you'll know that he was locked in a Roman prison as he wrote this letter. He was facing death. He had already been given the death penalty. He was just waiting for that time to come when his life would end. Some people have called 2 Timothy his last will and testament as he's writing to this young man in the faith. And this morning, I moved this chair over here. This is going to represent Paul the Apostle as he's writing to Timothy from prison. And I think it's interesting because we have a, a man who's lived his life. He's served God faithfully, and he's writing to a much younger man in the ministry, and he's challenging him. He's encouraging him to stay faithful, to serve God, to walk with the Lord. Later on in this book, Paul makes a statement. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I think as he's writing to Timothy, he's admonishing him and challenging him about some of these same areas so that someday when Timothy finished his life, that Lord willing, he would be able to say the same thing. He had fought a good fight. He had finished his course that he too had kept the faith. And I hope this morning as we consider what the Lord has for us, that we would purpose in our hearts to listen this morning to these words of an older man. He's writing from prison. He's at the end of his life, but he's writing to someone else who still had life to live and challenging him about how he should be living that life. Because if you are here this morning, you are blessed. You are blessed with life. We don't know if we even have tomorrow. We don't know that we have all of today. But we know we have this moment right now. It's the only thing that we can be confident in that God has given us. And we know that He has given us things in the past. And we trust that He will continue to give us life in the future. But as we live this life, while there are many unknowns as we look into the future, there are some things we can be absolutely confident in that God has recorded for us in His Word. And so I think there's some great admonition to us this morning from the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he penned this letter to Timothy. He says, beginning in verse two, or chapter 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to 
faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Let's pray. Father, as we take time to look into your word this morning, I pray that you would guide and direct our thoughts, that you would work in our hearts this morning through the power of the Holy Spirit as He takes your word and He drives it deep into us. I pray that we would be convicted of areas that we need to change, that we would not leave this place this morning unaffected by the truth that we hear, but rather you would take your truth and drive it deep into our hearts and shape and fashion us to be more in the image of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning for Sylvia Palacios. I know she'd much rather be here than in the hospital this morning, but Lord, you've orchestrated events so that you've allowed her to be where she is. Lord, I thank you that even last night and as we were visiting to hear how she laying there hurting with a broken ankle was still encouraging and sharing scripture and truth and praying with others. Lord, perhaps you put her in that place just to be able to minister to somebody else. Lord, I pray that you would provide people to minister to her as well. Encourage Brother Joe as he's there with her. Be with her mother. She has surgery this week. Pray for Katie as she continues to undergo her treatment. Strengthen her, Lord. Raise her up. Bring her back to us. Lord, help her to know your presence and help her to know the love of her church family. Pray for Brother Larry. Strengthen him. Help him as he heals, Lord, that he'd be able to be back up and about the things that he would like to do. Lord, even as you've laid him low for a little while, pray that he would be able to reflect on you and your goodness and grace in his life and that you'd strengthen him during this time. Lord, we love you. Bless us now. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. What if you could write yourself a letter on December 31st, 2019 and send it to yourself in the past so that you would have received it on January 1st, 2019? What would you have written to yourself about this past year? What would you have warned yourself about from this past year? What things would you have uh, challenged yourself to do better in over this past year? Or to make it even more dramatic, what if you could have written your letter to yourself on December 31st of 2019, but you sent it, you mailed it back to yourself in the past on January 1st, 2010? Imagine a whole decade and all the things that took place over that decade of where you were and what you did, the people that you were spending time with, perhaps the job you had, the place you were at in school. For some of you, 10 years ago, you weren't even born. For some of you, 10 years ago, you were in a very different stage of life. A lot takes place 
in a relatively short period of time. Paul, as he writes this letter, he's at the end of his life. He's writing back to not himself, but a younger man in the ministry. As we listen to this message this morning, I hope that it will challenge us and help us to think as someone who's writing from the end of his life, saying, here's what you should be doing and following and being obedient. Notice in verse 1, he begins speaking to Timothy in a very kind and loving manner. He calls him his son. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's very interesting as he commands him, admonishes him to be strong. He's not just telling him to be tough, to work out. Because this verb, to be strong, is not an active verb. It's rather a passive verb, which means the action should be being done to Timothy. Timothy needs to be strengthened. Well, how can he be strengthened? Well, he continues on. He tells us right here in the verse, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's kind of an interesting way to put something, isn't it? To use it in a passive sense and yet talk about becoming strong. We often think of being strong as something very active that we do. That we go out, we maybe have a New Year's resolution to work out, to run distances. I don't know if it happened, but I heard there were a few people in the church that were getting together this morning to run a long way. Did that happen this morning? Or did everybody wake up late? Okay, a few people ran this morning. Okay. They're the tired ones today, okay? So that means I have extra work cut out. i got to preach and I have to keep them awake because they went running this morning. Or maybe they're going to be wider awake, I don't know, because their metabolism is up. I don't know when the crash is going to come, but hopefully it happens at about 11.30 after the message this morning. But when we think of getting stronger, we think of something that we have to do. We've got to go out and be somewhere. We've got to go out and work out. We've got to go do something in this sense. And yet this verb of being strong is something that's being done to Timothy. But it's being done through the grace, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's commanding Timothy to keep being empowered by God. Now you ask yourself, why is he commanding Timothy to do that then? How can you command somebody else to be empowered by someone else? So as Paul's writing this, he's sitting here, he's probably chained to his Roman jailer, and he's writing to Timothy and telling Timothy, stay strong in the Lord. Allow the Lord to strengthen you. Well, think of it this way. If you came over to my house this morning, which thankfully none of the runners did, but if they came over to my house this morning, they knocked on the door and they said, Pastor, we just ran six miles this morning, and we got home and our water didn't work at our house. Could we take a shower at your house this morning before church? Well, first of all, they would have had to get on the schedule because we have seven people that have to go through the shower at our house. Now, God has blessed, and we do have two showers at our house, so it's not too bad, but we still have to kind of move people through. But if they come to our house and they say, I need a shower at your house... There's a very specific place they would have to go in my home to take a shower, all right? Just being in my house would not suffice. They wouldn't smell any better. Just even walking into my room wouldn't help them at all. Even walking in the bathroom wouldn't help them. They would have to go stand in the shower under where the water is coming out and take the shower that they need to clean out and smell better. 
This idea of being strengthened by God, I think, is similar to this. If we're going to be strengthened by God, we need to put ourselves in the place where God provides the strength. That's what he's saying. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I know maybe the shower illustration is weird, but it's what I thought of this week. If I'm going to stand in the place, I need to be in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So that begs the question, how do I do that? But that's really what he's telling him to do, is to be in the place that God is empowering you. Another parallel verse to this is found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Same verb, same passive tense. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then it goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Or another idea is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. If you know this, you can say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. So standing in the place or being in the position where God can strengthen us, this command demands Timothy's continuous active cooperation with God. To be strengthened by God, to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, requires cooperation on our part to be in the place where God provides the strength. Stay in the place of grace. What is grace? Well, grace is God's unmerited favor. It's a gift that He gives to us that we do not deserve. It is receiving something from God that I didn't earn. Spiritual strength doesn't come from ourselves. You can't reach down deep inside of you and muster up spiritual strength. It doesn't come from yourself. Spiritual strength isn't something that we deserve. Spiritual strength, rather, is something that we receive. It's in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We receive this grace, this gift, this favor because of Jesus Christ. It's not based on what we have done, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Paul, as an older man in the faith, is writing to a younger man. He has fought his good fight. He has finished his course. He has kept the faith. He's looking forward now to his crown of righteousness. He's writing to Timothy to say, Timothy, you can look forward to this same crown if you're faithful. Because if you read that passage of Scripture, he says that crown is not to him only, but he says unto all them also who love his appearing. Saying, Timothy, you can receive this crown as well. You will face things in life that are beyond your strength. That's why you must be strong or be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You will be given things to do that are beyond your ability. That's why you must be strong, strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You won't find true spiritual strength outside of the grace that is in Christ Jesus. People look for strength in a lot of different places. If I just try hard, if I write my resolutions down, if I tell everybody about it, if I get lots of accountability, that may give us some 
amount of strength, but it doesn't give us the strength that only God can give. Imagine again, Paul, he's sitting here chained to a Roman jailer and he's writing to a young man saying, be strengthened, be strong. That's not really the letter you'd expect this guy to be writing. Rather, you would expect that to be the letter he's receiving from somebody on the outside who's writing to him. Paul, stay strong. Don't give up, Paul. It's going to be okay. God's still in charge. Paul, you lived a good life. Paul, you can take confidence that the Lord has you, and if you die, it's going to be okay. No, that's what Paul's writing to Timothy. It almost seems backwards, doesn't it? How could he write that? I would say this. It's because Paul understood at least a little bit of what it meant to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So even though he was locked in prison, he was still strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, sometimes it's hard to feel strong when things are bad and when we feel weak. Paul was in about the weakest position he'd ever been in his life, and yet here he is, strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Last night I went to visit Sylvia, and she's laying there in the emergency room. It was packed in there last night. There was a police officer in there. He had been escorting a funeral on his motorcycle. car pulled out right in front of him, ran into him. He's, he's laying over there. His family's talking, and we had an opportunity to pray with them. There's another lady crying as she's in pain over here, other families hugging each other, people lined up and down the hallways. This is at Memorial Hermann down, down in the medical center. It was, they were going to take her to another hospital, but it was so full there, they took her down. It was just full everywhere. It was a lot of accidents. This was in the trauma section of the ER. Sylvia is laying there and she said, you know, Pastor, this morning I woke up and I was reading my Bible and I read Psalm 91. That's why I had Freddie read Psalm 91 this morning. He that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. She said, I, I feel like I understand a little more like what this secret place is because here I am laying in this hospital bed. I mean, nurses, doctors, people all around. She said, I'm in a lot of pain right now, but I have peace because I have my Lord. That's the same type of peace and the same type of strength that I think Paul must have had as he's sitting there chained to his jailer and he's writing out to this young man who's free. He's preaching the gospel. He's doing what he feels called to do. And he's the guy locked in prison writing to the guy outside saying, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The strength that you need to be faithful this year is not going to come from yourselves. It's not going to come from your friends. It's not going to come from a book that you read. It's going to come from God. It's going to come from His Holy Spirit as He works in your heart and as He gives you the grace that you need. Yes, we are saved by grace. And it is by grace that we are enabled to walk in God's will. But it is also true that that same grace is the sphere in which all of the Christian life must be lived. This grace brings forgiveness to those who confess and forsake their sin. This grace brings hope to those who have no hope in themselves. This grace brings purpose to those who have no purpose. This Grace is the free gift of God. 
Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, why was Timothy going to need that strength? Well, Timothy ministered in a difficult place. Later on, in fact, Paul was going to call Timothy to him to come see him at Rome. So Timothy was going to have to leave the place where he was currently serving. That's why Paul continued on his admonition in verse 2. Because it takes strength to live day by day. It takes strength to do what God wants us to do. But sometimes we get to places in our life where we feel like we have things under control. We know what we do. We, we have our routine. We're able to take care of things and difficulties happen, but we kind of take them in stride and we continue to walk with things. Timothy, not long after this, was going to be summoned to Rome. The ministry that Timothy was doing there where he was serving, he was going to have to leave. And so Paul admonished him in verse 2. He says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. If the first admonition Paul writes to Timothy is to be strengthened, the second one is to be teaching. Be teaching. He tells him what to teach. He says, teach the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Who are these witnesses? What's a witness? It's a person who speaks the truth or who corroborates a story, right? Who were Timothy's witnesses? Well, if you go to, back to chapter 1, you can see a couple of them. Two very important ladies in his life. His grandmother and his mother. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. He says, your mother had great faith. Your grandmother had great faith. Timothy, I'm confident that you have it as well. You've learned it from many witnesses. Another one of his witnesses, of course, was Paul the Apostle himself. Another one would have been Barnabas as he traveled with Paul and met Timothy. He challenged Timothy, if you notice in chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, he says, hold fast, hold on tightly the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That, which, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Hold on to the truth, Timothy. And now he says, that truth that you're holding on to, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, those things teach, commit to faithful men. So what is he to be teaching? Well, he's to be teaching the Word of God. He's to be, to be teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's teaching what he's learned from many witnesses. Timothy was not to be an innovator. He was to be an imitator. Paul said, Timothy, you don't have to make up something new. Take what you've been taught, take the truth, and pass it on to somebody else. I think that's important for us to consider in the day and age that we live in because often we think of imitation as bad and innovation is inherently good. 
Now, in certain areas, we would say innovation is good. We like new developments. We like new inventions. We like new gadgets that make our life easier. Lots of people probably got new gadgets for Christmas this year or things that they share with others to help get work done around the house or maybe children got new toys. Boys and girls, there's a whole set of toys out there that you can get today that didn't exist when I was a, a boy. You know, hoverboards, electric scooters, you know. I saw a boy the other day, he's just standing on a scooter. He's probably seven, eight years old, just riding down the street, not moving at all. His legs work perfectly fine, but he had a little electric motor on the back, and he was having a great time. And I looked at that, I thought, you know, at a different time, different place, I'd probably go over there and ask that boy if I could have a ride. That looks like a lot of fun. And if I was a mean kid, maybe I'd just knock him off and take it because it looked like a lot of fun to ride on that scooter. Although we wonder why children don't move as much, not as active as they used to. <laughs> They're all riding around on, on scooters. But anyway, we like innovation. But spiritually speaking, we don't need more innovation. We need imitation of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is commanding Timothy to do. He says, the things you've heard, the things you've learned, the truth that you've received, pass that truth on. Timothy, you don't have to repackage it. Timothy, you don't have to come up with a new idea. Timothy, you don't have to do anything other than take this truth and make sure other people get it as well. And that's a great thing about being part of a church. We don't have to always be dreaming up something new, even though I enjoy some of the new things and different things and fun things that we do around here. That's a lot of fun. But ultimately, it's not about making something new. It's about taking the truth that we receive from God's Word that hopefully we've learned from somebody else and taking it and passing it on to the next generation. Paul's saying, Timothy, you've received this from an older spiritual generation. Now it's your responsibility to pass it on to the next spiritual generation. Teach the truth. Who do we teach it to? Teach it to faithful men. I think it's interesting that Paul was concerned more with the reliability of the people that Timothy was teaching rather than the ability of the people Timothy was teaching. You ever look at somebody and say, I don't know what good they're going to be. I, they just don't seem as smart as somebody else or as talented. They, they don't have the connections that everybody else seems to have. What value does this person have? Sometimes people evaluate other people that way, don't they? Especially when they're saying, how can I benefit myself? How can I climb the ladder? How can I get more successful in my life? We kind of pick and choose our friends based on how they help us. Paul told Timothy, pass the truth down to faithful men. He's more concerned about their dependability, their reliability, rather than just their talent and ability. And in fact, God, when He wrote the letter through Paul to the church at Corinth, He said it this way, it's not many mighty that are chosen. Not many wise after the things of this world. It's not the wealthy. He said, rather, He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the mighty. How does He do this? Well, because... God is looking for faithful people. So before you ever look at yourself and say, well, I don't know what I could do. I'm not very talented. I don't have a lot of money. I don't know what I'm doing. Say, no, God, use me any way that you want me. I'm yours. 
Hear my Lord, send me. It's not about your ability. It's about your dependability. But some people try to serve God out of their ability. They try to do great things through their talents and abilities that they have, and they're not dependable at all. Those people aren't nearly as helpful to the cause of Christ as they think they are. They may come in, they may put on a great show. It might be exciting. A lot of people are interested in them for a while. But if they're not dependable, they're not as useful to the work of the Lord. God needs your faithfulness more than He needs your talent. But God will use talent, if you're faithful, to continue to expand His work around the world. But it starts with faithfulness. Paul says, Timothy, find some faithful men. Teach the truth to faithful people. Can you see how important this verse is in the culture that we're trying to develop here at Arise Baptist Church? Taking the truth that we've learned and passing it on to somebody else. So that, we're about to get to the next point, so that they can take that truth and teach others also. If we fail to do this, we, we really, I think, have failed in a big part of our existence. Yes, we are here to give glory to God and praise God. But we also exist to pass the truth on to the next generation. Parents, that's a tremendous responsibility that you and I have as we have children to pass the truth on to the next generation. I'm thankful for some older parents in this room whose children are grown, who can help to teach and instruct me, and, and many of them do. They, they know that everything doesn't always work out perfectly. It may not always happen exactly like they want to, but, boy, they can give some great advice to younger parents and say, Here's how I would have done it better, or here's what I would have done differently, or here's some things that worked really well for us, and you need to do this as well so that you can pass the truth on down to the next generation. I'm thankful for a variety of ages in our church so that we have people at all different stages of life who can help to teach and instruct and pass that truth on to the next generation. Another thing I'm thankful for in our church is people at all different stages of spiritual growth in our church. We have people who are babies in Christ, that are just coming to Christ, that have just received Christ in the last few months or over the last year. Praise the Lord for that. I'm looking for much more of that in this new year, and I hope that you're praying that direction as well. But I'm thankful for some people that have been in the faith for 10 years 20 years and 30 years and 40 years and 50 years and 60 years even in some cases. Praise the Lord for people at different stages of spiritual growth. Now I hope if you've been in with the Lord that long in your life that you've grown accordingly. Some people maybe have been in the Lord for many years but they've stunted themselves spiritually because they haven't continued to grow and to study. And, to, and if that's you this morning, that's okay. But, but don't let that continue to be okay. Let's press on to new heights. Let's continue to grow. Let's continue to go forward for the Lord. Let's continue to advance in our spiritual growth. But if God's given you something, if you've learned some truth from His Word, if you've heard it from other witnesses, other people who have proclaimed the truth to you, it's a wonderful privilege then to teach others also. So Paul told Timothy, take the truth, take the gospel, take what you've learned from me, teach that 
Find faithful people, faithful, consistent, dependable individuals. Now we realize they might not start out that way. But we pray that they become faithful, become dependable, become consistent as they grow in the Lord. And then teach them with the goal of helping them to teach others also. A lot of times we teach and we kind of feel like that's the end of it. No, we're teaching people so that they can in turn teach other people. And sometimes that's the step in the process where it breaks down. Because it's hard sometimes to make that, that next generational leap, if you will. It's one thing to teach one person, but then to teach them how to teach somebody else, that takes a lot more time and effort. Like I, could, I could stand up here, and as I'm doing this morning, and preach a message to you. But if I'm supposed to teach you so that you can teach others also, that means I have to teach you well enough and consistently enough and over enough period of time that you could take the same truth then and teach it to somebody else. Now, I'm not going to give you a test when you walk out the door this morning. You're like, school's not even back in session. That's not till next week. But imagine if after Sunday morning, you had to take a test on everything that you heard in the message, and then Sunday night, you had to come back and teach it to other people. They say, whoa, you'd never do that. Why, why would we do that? We wouldn't do it in that format. But isn't that kind of the goal? That the things that you hear, that the things you learn, the things you're studying in God's Word, the things you learn as you're sitting across a table from somebody else and studying God's Word together, you can take that truth and you can teach it to somebody else. That's what he says we ought to be doing here in 2 Timothy 2.2. Now, that requires a lot of commitment, doesn't it? It requires a, a commitment of time. requires a commitment of energy, mental energy, physical energy. It often requires a commitment of resources. The, the going and the gas and, the, and uh, maybe the coffee or the food or the cleaning of your house to have somebody over or the preparation on your own to study so that you can have something to give to somebody else. I don't think that God calls everybody to teach everybody. But if we took this down as small as possible, I think we all have at least a responsibility to lead one. Wouldn't it be great if over the course of a life you could lead somebody else so that they in turn could lead somebody else behind them? That's what Paul's commanding Timothy to do. He says, you're going to have to be strong. You need to be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Timothy had a great job that he had to do. He had a great work that God had given for him to do, to take what he had learned and pass it on to somebody else. I think that's probably the greatest calling that all of us have in our lives, to take the truth that God's given to us and pass it on to somebody else so that they in turn can pass it on to somebody else. Take just a moment in your own mind. Can you think of somebody or a few somebodies who have been responsible for passing the truth on to you that you have right now. You didn't get here by accident. God has orchestrated all kinds of people in your lives, all kinds of situations in your life, to put you right where you are, right now, this morning, with the level of understanding and knowledge and ability that you have. Don't let it go to waste. Pass it on down.
Think about this, though. How do we teach? Well, it's a lot more than just standing in a pulpit. It's a lot more than just standing up in front of a class. Teaching, as he's talking about, and he's going to give us some examples over the next few verses, is a whole lifestyle approach. People learn not just from what you say. They learn from what you do. They learn from how you act, how you react. That's why we need each other for encouragement, for accountability, to confront, to strengthen, to lift up when we are weak, and to help answer questions when we don't know what to do or say. Paul gives us three examples over the next three verses. The example of a soldier, example of an athlete, and the example of a farmer. As we look at the, towards the end of the message here this morning, I hope we can learn some things from this soldier, from this athlete, and from this farmer. All three types of individuals that, have been very, that would have been very common, or at least very much understood, in the day that Paul was writing to Timothy. Here's Paul. He's in his prison cell. He's writing what God inspires him to write to Timothy to encourage him, to help him to his son in the faith. He's told him, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He said, take the things that you've learned and commit those to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And then he says in verse 3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ because you have to commit what you've learned to others. Be ready, thou therefore endure Hardness, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always easy, is it? The people you want to teach, do they always want to listen? No. Are they always as faithful men, faithful as they should be? No. Do some of them fall away? Yes. Will some of them turn on you? Yes. These are all the realities of doing what God has called us to do. But he gives us an example to help us have a better picture of what this looks like. He says, endure hardness as a good soldier. In other words, you can get through the hard time, realize you're like a soldier. You're like a soldier who's serving his captain, his commanding officer, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If we're going to endure hardness, we must remember who our captain is, who our king is. It's King Jesus. Praise the Lord. I wouldn't want to serve any other king because he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's above all. He has all power. He's always good. He's always faithful. He is a great king to serve. So you're a soldier in the king's army, in the Lord's army. Boys and girls sing that song, right? I may never... March in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Are you in the Lord's army this morning? It makes it a lot easier to endure hardness when you understand whose army you're in. Because if you're in the Lord's army, you're on the winning side. It doesn't mean it'll always be easy. There will be hard things along the way, but you can endure hardness because of whose army you're in as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he gets more specific what it looks like to be a good soldier. Next verse, no man that warreth 
entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So the king chose you to put you in his army. You're in the Lord's army. And if you're going to war, you don't get distracted and caught up in, entangled with the affairs of this life. The distractions, the problems, the things going on around you shouldn't distract you from your mission and your purpose as a soldier so that you're willing to endure hard things, go through difficulties so that you can accomplish the purpose that your commander has sent you to do. And what has our commander sent us to do? Take the things that we've learned, commit them to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So because he says this, we have to understand there will be difficulty. But as we remember who we are serving, Jesus Christ, as we keep a singularity of focus, not being entangled with the affairs of this life, we can continue to be faithful as we walk in the strength that is in Christ Jesus, to be able to take the truth that we've learned and pass it down. Paul's appeal to Timothy shows the importance of developing the ability to distinguish between doing good things and doing the best things. He says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Servants of Christ are not merely to be just well-rounded dabblers in all types of trivial pursuits. They are to be tough-minded devotees of Christ who constantly choose the right priorities from a list of potential selections. And don't we live in a world of selections and opportunities and choices today? We have all kinds of things vying for our time, our treasure, and our attention. We have things everywhere to be involved in. We have things everywhere that we can give our money to. We have things everywhere that we can spend our time doing, from the absolute trivial mundane things to the complete mindless time-wasting things to the complete all-encompassing, complete focus-requiring types of things. How do we choose to spend our time? No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. doesn't mean that you're not living this life, but you don't allow just the focus of this world and this life to cause you to lose your focus on what God has called you to do. Don't be so entangled with the things of this world that you fail to please Him who had chosen Him to be a soldier. Remember who you are serving. So we have the example of a soldier in the army. Verse 5, we have the example of an athlete who runs for the prize. He says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Winning the prize requires discipline to train well, and discipline to run within the rules. He says, except he strive lawfully. Committing to faithful men requires living with discipline and obedience. So if I'm to be doing the responsibility of 
leading others in their relationship with Christ with the purpose that they be able to then go on and lead others in their growth with the Lord. That means then that I may endure some hardness along the way. There's going to be some hard, difficult times, some discouraging times. There's going to be some people that don't follow with me, that don't stay faithful like I expect them to do. There's going to be some people that hurt me. There's going to be some difficulty. But I'm okay because I can endure that hardness. I'm a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But it also means that when I run this race, when I'm on this path, when I'm going this direction, when I'm reaching for that prize, I must be running lawfully according to the rules. You know, you can run a really hard race, but if you're out of bounds, it doesn't count. I played basketball growing up. I wasn't this good. But let's imagine that you were good enough to sit on the bench. Let's make it better. You could sit on the eighth row of the bleachers and make baskets all day long. You know how many of those count? You're right, zero. Why? Because you're out of bounds. If you're trying to compete in an athletic event, then you must compete according to the rules. Otherwise, it's worthless. And I will tell you, there are many people who try to run a spiritual life or run the spiritual race or live for God, but then they try to do it their own way, not following God's rules, not according to God's word. Maybe they don't even discipline themselves to stay faithful, to stay obedient, to stay pure and free from sin. And what ends up happening? A lot of what they did ends up being nothing. Paul's writing to Timothy and he said, Timothy, you need to be strong in the Lord because you have a great responsibility to take what you've learned and commit it to others. It's going to be hard. But as you run that race, make sure you do it lawfully. Not out of greed, not out of selfish ambition, not being so concerned about other people that you don't take time to walk with God yourself, not a single one of us is exempt from temptation. If Jesus was tempted, then guess what? <laughs> you and I will be tempted as well. Don't ever get to the place in your spiritual life where you think, I don't have to worry about those things anymore. I'm past that struggle. It may feel that way for a time, but the devil, he's always walking around like a roaring lion, isn't he? Seeking whom he may devour. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. He said, well, their marriage is so great it could never fail. Only by the grace of God. Well, that individual, they'd never be tempted with this. They're so strong. Only by the grace of God. Because spiritual strength doesn't come from me. It comes from the Lord. And if I move myself outside of the place, away from the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and try to live in my own strength, I won't have enough strength to continue on. If you've lived in life any period of time, you've all seen people that have come and they've gone. Others, they come and go and come and go and come and go. It's often only a very small minority that 
truly become faithful. How are we going to do that? Be willing to endure hardness. Understand that your strength comes from the Lord. As you run the race, make sure you strive and run lawfully according to the rules. And then finally this morning, he gives the example of the farmer. Verse 6, the husbandman. This is someone who's growing. fruits or vegetables or raising animals. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. He's working for the harvest. He understands when he labors, and by the way, it is labor. It's hard work. This job of passing the truth on to your children or passing the truth down to spiritual children. It's hard work, but it's a good work, and it's a work that I believe God has called us all to do. So, well, this is just Paul and Timothy. Well, don't forget the Great Commission. It's for all of us. But it's a hard work. It's going to be a labor. But understand, as you labor, there is a harvest, the first partaker of the fruits. Think about this one day as we stand before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we come to the end of our life, as Paul was very near to do himself. He was probably imagining a day as he stood before his heavenly Father and as he gave praise to him for what he had done. But he looked at Timothy as some of that harvest. He probably looked at others, and if you read chapter 1, you see some who stayed faithful and walked with God, and you see others who walked away. They weren't all faithful. But he's laboring because he knows there's a great harvest. There's a great harvest of souls, of those who will turn to Jesus Christ, and there's no greater harvest, no greater value, nothing greater in all the world than the value of a soul. What would you give? For a soul, Jesus Christ gave His life. There's a great harvest of souls. There's a, a great harvest of spiritual fruit as we get to see others continue to walk faithfully. The Bible says that, it talks about, I have no greater joy than to see that my children walk in truth. For a parent, it's, it's a great harvest, isn't it? When you see your children begin to do things right. And the good thing about that is you don't have to wait until they're 25, I don't think, to see that. Even little things as little children begin, oh, wow, they actually said thank you. Well, that was nice. Wow, they said please when they wanted some more to eat. And some of you are going, boy, we're still not even there yet. I understand. It's a process. It's work. But there's a harvest. That's why you keep doing it because you're willing to do that labor because you're hoping for that reward. And spiritually speaking, there's such a, a great reward available to us, not just the crowns that God gives us, but I think the reward of looking out someday at that great judgment seat and seeing all those others that we've had a part in bringing to Christ, of maybe seeing some missionaries, we'll meet some missionaries here in a few weeks at our missions conference who bring some people by and say, you know, you gave to missions all those years and Here's some of the people over in Africa that we brought to Christ. Here's some people over in Japan that we brought to Christ. Here's some people from Micronesia that came to Christ. And you gave faithfully to those people. Someone else comes by and says, You remember I asked you to pray for my sister 
Well, here she is. She received Christ. Wouldn't that be a blessing? How about this? I think it'll be even more exciting when we see those people and we say, wait a minute, that's that guy that, you know, there, there's Joe, there's Bob, there's Sarah, there's Jennifer. That, that's the lady that I had the opportunity to disciple, to teach, and, and then she went on and, you know, she moved away, but she kept faithful to God. And then she led somebody else to Christ. Some of the ministry that we do day by day, we'll never see until we get to heaven someday the effects and the fruit of that. But that's why we keep doing it, because there is a harvest, but the harvest only comes if you're willing to put in the labor. So we have the example of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. Paul's purpose was to exhort Timothy to take his share of hardship. And these metaphors suggest that beyond warfare, there is victory. Beyond athletic effort, there is a prize. And beyond agriculture labor, there's a great harvest. Paul emphasized the traits that believers need to demonstrate in their service for the Lord. These include the faithful skills of a competent teacher. I know some people say, well, I'm not a good teacher. Everybody teaches, whether they're doing it intentionally or not. I understand you may not be the teacher that's going to teach a class of 10 or 50 or 100 people, but everybody can teach somebody. And we all teach people whether we mean to or not. The skills of a competent teacher, the willingness to suffer, and the choices of priorities that a soldier must take, the self-discipline of an athlete, the hard work of a farmer. Paul demanded the pursuit of excellence in the Christian life. There's no images here of the mediocre believer. Paul doesn't say to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to endure hardness, but it's okay if you give up. No, he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. He doesn't say to Timothy, Timothy, run the race. You know, you may get out of line. He says, no, strive lawfully. Walk faithfully. He, he doesn't write to Timothy, Timothy, you only have to, if you're going to get a crop, you only have to plant. You don't need to worry about watering. You don't need to worry about weeding. You don't need to worry about all those things. Just, just plant. No. He says, work hard, labor with the harvest in mind. He's not calling us to spiritual mediocrity. He's calling us to spiritual faithfulness to accomplish something great for the Lord. Now, it was about 2,000 years ago, almost, that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. Imagine him as he wrote those words. This was a very personal letter as he's trying to pass down those essential, important truths to his son in the faith. He's writing to Timothy before Timothy's lived all of his life. If you were receiving a letter today that you had written to yourself 10 years from now, what would it say? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But I think maybe this is some idea of what it should contain. Be strong in the Lord. 
Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you've learned and heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If a man also strive for the masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partaker of the fruits. And then notice verse 7. And we all need this, don't we? This is the time for reflection and personal application. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. He says, Timothy, consider. Take some time to think about it. And I would ask you to do the same thing this morning. As we wrap up this time of preaching, that you would take some time to consider. What is God saying to you this morning? Maybe you came in here today feeling very weak and lots of things going on. I want to encourage you, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. True spiritual strength only comes from the Lord. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this will be a great day. The first Sunday of 2020, Lord says He's going to make all things new. It would be great if you became a new creature today, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Don't wait till tomorrow. Spiritual strength only comes in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But if you know Him as your Savior, you got to keep walking in that grace every day. I've met a lot of people on the way. They, they made a profession of faith. They may have trusted Christ as their Savior, but then they sort of, well, now I'm out on my own. I'm, I'm saved, so I know I'm going to heaven. Kind of like, well, I got my fire insurance. I don't have to worry about that anymore, so now I'll just go do whatever I want. Guess what? You won't have any spiritual strength because you're not living in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And if you're there this morning, you're just say, I need to get back to the Lord. I'm not walking in His grace. I'm not walking in obedience to His Word. I'm not living how I should be living. Confess those things. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope that each one of you would renew a commitment to the Lord even today to say, Lord, help me this year, over the next few years, whatever it is, Lord, I'm going to be pointing myself in the direction of finding someone who I can take what I've been taught spiritually and pass that on to them. Maybe you're already involved in doing that. Lord, help me to stay faithful to do that because it may get hard. I may get tired. I may want to give up. Maybe say, Lord, if you'd give me a little extra time somewhere in my schedule, maybe I can just carve out an hour or two a week, I'll try to commit to finding somebody else that I can pass that truth on down to. That'd be a great commitment to make for this year. It'll change your life, and it'll change someone else's life, and it may change a whole, whole bunch of someone's lives if you think about that generationally getting passed down. I encourage you. Life may be difficult. There may be some hardness along the way. Remember who your commanding officer is. Remember what side you're on. Know that you must run according to the rules. Be willing to work hard with the harvest in mind. Consider 
what I say. And the Lord give the understanding in all things. Let's advance forward for the kingdom of God. And let's see what God's going to do. We may only have a few hours left. We may only have a few days, weeks, maybe the year, maybe 10, maybe 20, maybe 100 years. I don't know. But let's be faithful right here where God's put us each day. Put one foot in front of the other. Metaphorically speaking, I understand for some of us. Let's go forward for the Lord and do what God wants us to do. Be faithful to Him. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? And would you commit to God to do those things? Would you ask Him to help you to do that this morning? I'd like to do this. We don't always do it this way, but I'd just like to pray for you this morning. Maybe by show of hands, if anybody would say, Pastor, well, I, I need to be saved. I need to trust Jesus as my Savior. Would you pray for me? I, I haven't started out. Would you just pray that I could get some understanding in this way? If anybody's like that, I'd love to pray for you this morning. I don't know that anybody here is unsaved, but that's between you and the Lord. If you know the Lord is your Savior, maybe I could pray for you in some area of your life. Say, God, I'd like to commit to taking the truth that I'm learning and passing it on to somebody else. Would you pray for me that this year I'd find somebody, meet with somebody, connect with somebody, anybody? See a few hands. Anybody else? I'd like to pray for you. Thank you. Amen. Many of you are already involved in that. Maybe you're here this morning and just need some encouragement, some strength. I want you to know the Lord has everything that we need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, you've seen each hand, each heart. I think of these specifically, several that raise their hands about taking the truth that they're learning and passing it on to somebody else. Help us, these people and others who need to commit to that, to be willing to put the effort in. You also told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God, to be willing to study your word, to know it well enough to be able to teach it to somebody else. Lord, may we see great strides forward in spiritual, numerical growth this year as we walk by faith in obedience to your word. Strengthen and encourage those who are weak. Help us to walk faithfully with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The piano is going to play. Let's keep our heads bowed, eyes closed. Just take a moment, several moments, whatever you need. Talk to God. This isn't just time for me to pray and you to listen. This is a time for you to respond. Consider. Allow God to work in your heart.